was reminded this week of an interview with an astronaut named Chris Hadfield. Does that name ring any bells for anybody? Anybody? Okay. He's perhaps most uh, famous for uh, doing a rendition of David Bowie's Space Oddity uh, while living on the International Space Station. So uh, if you Google that, you'll see that it's really... um, I have a poor sense of pitch, but they say it's pitch perfect. So, uh, but it's just this really kind of this neat thing, and he's a pretty brilliant guy. And in this interview with Chris Hadfield, they were asking him about fear as an astronaut. They're saying, you know, you sit in the seat, you strap yourself in, and then with my uh, non-engineering background, you know, you basically have a, a massive bucket of fuel behind you that they light on fire, they send you up into space. Isn't that scary? And, and Chris Hadfield goes, well... Sure, it's scary, but think about it like this, right? Let's say after the service, uh, there was a NASA representative at the back of the sanctuary, and uh, they pulled you aside, and they said, hey, we've been looking for the perfect person to send on this mission to space, and you're it, and we need to go in 15 minutes. That's terrifying, right? That's, that's scary. But he said, for me, I pursued this path. I was selected among a pool of applicants, and then I spent 15 years studying every aspect of this journey, every instrument that was going to be around me, every part of this process of going into space, what it was going to sound like, what was going to be happening around me. I knew how many seconds different things were going to take. I knew it to such a degree that though it it is in in every conceivable way terrifying, it it wasn't fear-inducing in me. I understood what was going on, and I was okay with it. It It was almost automatic for me. And as I thought about Chris sort of sharing this and that experience, it just stood, it stood out to me, right? Because all around him was chaos, and yet for him, it was somewhat normal. It was normalcy. He was able to experience that chaos in, in a way that didn't push him off course. It didn't get him flustered. He was able uh, to do his mission, even though it was chaos around him. And this morning, as, as we think about that as a picture— I want us to explore transformation from that lens. Over the course of the last several weeks, uh, we've been, we've been, Marty, it's good to see you, my man. It's good to see you, buddy. Um, Yeah, absolutely, right? Miss you guys. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do this every week. This is awesome. Um, (laughs) As you think about transformation and as we've been thinking about it, We've been looking through it uh, from the lens of the greatest commandment. Jesus tells us to love our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, and then to love our neighbors as ourselves. And as we have been thinking about what transformation of ourselves look like, we, we understand that each of those are different dimensions of who we are. And God wants us to experience transformation in each of those dimensions. And so today, we're going to think about our, our souls. And as we think about that, I, I want us to think about that with the goal in mind that God desires for us to live in harmony, harmony with God, in harmony with each other, in harmony with ourselves. And God uh, wants, to, wants us to develop such a relationship with him that we, we navigate our way through the chaos around us in life almost automatically, that we're able to experience the circumstances of life, the changing of seasons, the, the ebb and flow of things that are both good and bad around us, and we're able to navigate all of that naturally almost making decisions that are good and right and in line with the kingdom of God. See, for God, he wants us to develop the sort of relationship where a lot of this comes almost automatically. And that happens, I think, by practicing soul care, by taking care of our souls. 
Now, we talk about souls some, but if somebody stopped you and, and asked you on the street, hey, what's a soul? Like, what is my soul? A lot of us would be like, ah, you know, I got a call, I got a take, I'm going to get back to, I'm going to get back to that question in a little while. It's not, it's one of those words, and, and like many things, it's sort of ambiguous, it's, it's sort of floating out there, and we sort of know what it means, but at the same time, we kind of, kind of don't. Dallas Willard, he talks about our souls as in, encompassing all of our person. So as we talk about loving God with all our mind and, and heart and soul and strength and, and loving God through our relationships even, Dallas Willard says all of these things come together and our souls pull all of them together, forming a flow of life. So our soul sort of is this, the, the essence of who we are. All of these things coming together from which we live and move and, and have our being. An illustration for it might be, uh, a computer at a business that you go to. Have you ever gone to a, a restaurant or a store and you tried to buy something but their computers were down? You know, and it's like, uh, like there's every, it's like the, close, the, the store almost might as well close down, right? I can't take your payment. Nobody carries cash anymore. I have no way of ringing up this item that you would like to buy because the computer can't scan it, right? He, he, uh, Dallas Willard uses that as an example of what our souls are. Our souls almost function as this computer running in the background, holding all of these things together, computing the things that need to be computed. And as followers of Jesus, as we think about that this morning, we do so knowing that we want our lives to work a particular way. We want to be a people who are prepared and capable to respond to the situations of life in ways that are good and right, ways that are of God and of God's kingdom. And we gather in this room today knowing that we don't always do that. The way I respond to every situation around me is not always good and right. It doesn't always fit into God's kingdom. And I would imagine we're all in that same boat this morning. But the good news of transformation is that it's possible for us to increasingly walk with God, being transformed into his image as we walk through life with him. And there's a picture of this in the Psalms. In fact, the very first Psalm uh, paints a picture uh, of this. And the psalmist in Psalm 1 uh, says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Now, the psalmist here, he starts by, by talking about what, what this person does not do, right? They, they do not walk in the step of the wicked. They, they do not stand in the way that sinners take. They do not sit in the company of mockers. The guiding force in the life of this person is not what others are saying, they don't live as if God doesn't exist or live according to even their own will or plan. And as a result of that, they find themselves in a different place in life, right? They've chosen to plant themselves somewhere really intentionally. In verse 2, it tells us that they delight in the law. The person loves the law. Now, when we, we hear that and think about our world, we, we probably have an appreciation for law, right? We, we like that there's not just societal chaos around us, that there's law and order, and, and though that doesn't always work out the ways we would hope, uh, there, there's a degree to which we, we give thanks for the law. 
But what's being talked about here in the psalm is something different. Now, the law and scriptures is primarily uh, speaking of the first five books in the Old Testament. And uh, if you were to go home this afternoon and just read through the first five books of the Old Testament, uh, you may not walk away going, wow, I delight in the law. This is really wonderful to read all of these, all of these little things. And wow, that is a lot of detail about that. I, del- I am delighting in this, right? You may not feel that way. You may, which is incredible. But what the psalmist is getting at is a person who says, what God says I love, Right? What God says, I love. What God leads me to do, I love. It's a person who is taking the law as a beautiful gift of God's mercy and grace. And as a result, they're thinking about it all the time. Like, what is it that God wants? What is it that, what are the gifts that God is giving me? What are the things that God is leading me into? And so this person is just putting themselves in the law, reflecting on who God is over and over, not just to please God, but because the law pleases them. They're pleased by God. So there's this act of worship of saying, God, I I want more of you. I want more of this. And so their whole being gets oriented around that, right? I, I, I don't get the direction of my life over here, Sitting in the, the, the or walking in step with the wicked, the psalmist says, but I, but I get it from what God says. I get my sense of direction, my sense of purpose, my sense of mission from who God is and what God has done and what God is doing. I delight in that. And as a result, a a particular kind of life flows, the psalmist says. And it's a life that flourishes here. The, The image is of this tree that's planted by a consistent source of water. A, a tree that can, can flourish and bear fruit. A tree whose, whose leaves are alive no matter what's happening around it. It's got all the nourishment it needs. Its, its roots have, have, dung, have dug down deep into the source of life. And there it's found all that it needs to flourish, right? That's a tree uh, that, that, that can wither the storm. It's a tree uh, that bears fruit, as the psalmist says. And then in a similar way, The person who has rooted their life in this way is a person who prospers. Whatever they do, prospers. Now we say that this morning, recognizing that the psalmist is not saying that if we can find the right formula in these three verses of Psalm 1, then then we're just going to have everything that we want, right? That that, that, that everything we do is going to prosper. Everything's going to be the way that we want it to be. That's not necessarily what the psalmist is getting at. The psalmist is saying that you and I are meant to thrive. We're meant to flourish. And the way that we do that is by growing into who God has created us to be, stepping deeper and deeper into God's image. And the circumstances around us may be chaos. The things going on around us may not be the things that we want, but what we find when what we do prospers, it means that we're able to choose what is right and good and of God's kingdom no matter what's going on around us. And this morning, I would suggest that this is the good life. Being able to navigate life in this way is the good life. It's a life where our hearts come alive in God, where we find our greatest joy in who God is, and we seek to live our lives planted in the stream of what God says. And I think somewhere deep down, we all long for this, whether we recognize it or not. We, we, we all long for something to dig roots down into, and we hope that whatever it is that we invest our lives in and plant our lives in, that it will actually lead us to life. But we've all probably navigated life long enough to know that sometimes we, we dig our roots into things that are ultimately not good for us, right? 
We, we allow our roots to go down into things that are, that are toxic, into things that don't actually feed us but, or allow us to thrive or flourish. And so this morning, how is it that we pursue the flourishing of our souls? I, I think flowing from Psalm 1, there's a few things that uh, we can begin to, to, to really wrap our minds around this morning as we think about uh, caring well for our souls. So the first one, if you, if you think about just these, the first verse of Psalm 1, this idea of, of being mindful of where we are planted, right? being mindful of where we're planted. The psalmist says, uh, don't, don't walk in step with the wicked, but delight in God's law. Right? Don't, don't live your life out of what other people are doing or what other people are saying, but find your life in the will of God. Don't even find your life in what your own desires or will is, Right? but find your life in the will of God. I think there's an exercise for us, and it's a matter of reflection. How can we be mindful of where we're planted? I think it happens in part by asking questions, right? Where, where is it that we find direction for our lives? If we were to really just stop and give some thought to that, what is it that dictates how we spend our days and our money and our energy? Is it the pursuit of our own happiness, our own desires, or is it something else? Where do we look for joy? Where do we look for success? If we begin to ask these questions, it starts to locate us in the place where we've dug our roots down, right? It helps us to see where we've planted ourselves. Where are we investing in our life? Where are we investing our lives, right? Where are we taking the energy and the strength that we have and, and, and placing it? If we reflect on these things, it helps us to be intentional about where we're going, the direction that we're heading in. If we want to be people whose souls are thriving and flourishing, we need to be mindful of where we've planted ourselves. Well, there's more. Another thing that we can do is we can pay attention to the fruit of our lives. The reality, if, if, this, if our soul is all of these parts of our lives coming together, one of the things that we know is that there's an overflow, right? The, the things that we allow our minds to dwell on, right? When we, when we allow ourselves to dwell on anger, we act in anger. When, when we uh, allow ourselves to refuse to forgive or to hold on to prejudice or any of these other things, they manifest themselves in the way that we treat other people and the way that we live, right? What's on the inside inevitably comes on the outside. And so one of the things that we can do if we're trying to assess the, the health of our own soul is to pay attention to the fruit that our lives are bearing, right? Do, do we go into a place and live there in a workplace or in a neighborhood or even our own families? As we enter into all of those places of life, do our actions in those places bear the image of God or something else? And I think as we consider this, it, it's, it's helpful for us to consider the fruit of our lives. Now, Scripture, it gives testimony. Jesus himself is, uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, encouraging those around him to be, be very mindful that there are people who are seeking to lead them astray. And so he wants to give those who he's teaching um, the idea that, that you should be mindful that there are false prophets. There are people who, who want to teach you stuff that, that don't necessarily lead you closer to the heart of God. And the, the way that he encourages them to think through that in Matthew 17 is by their fruit. He says, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Jesus 
is saying that what's going on the inside shows up on the outside and we should pay attention to it. We should pay attention to it in, in others around us, not as a means of judgment, but we should, be, we should pay attention to it in our own lives. If our lives are not bearing fruit that displays the image of God, then it could be an indicator that we need to be mindful of the care of our own souls. That maybe we need to consider what's, what's overflowing and what's flowing through our own lives. And as we think about this, I would guess this morning that if we just broke up into little groups and you had conversations about uh, the fruit of your lives or the lack thereof, almost all of us would have an easier time saying, you know what, I can, I can recognize the spaces where I, I'm not bearing fruit. I can, I can recognize bad fruit in my life, but almost all of us would struggle more to, to recognize the good fruit in our lives. That's something about each of us that we all tend to be our own worst critics, and I think that's one of the reasons why we should be really mindful about pointing out the good fruit we see in others, right? I mean, we should be extremely intentional when we see good things of God flowing through people around us that we acknowledge it, that we point it out, that we celebrate it, right? Because oftentimes, the good fruit, it, it gets drowned out almost by, uh, by our own uh, beating up of our own selves. So, if we want to take care of our souls, one of the things that we need to do is be mindful of what, what's flowing through our lives. What kind of fruit are we bearing as the people of God? This image of a tree rooted by a stream that gives it all its needs, it, it bears good fruit in season. But connected to that, we, we know that a tree can't bear good fruit unless it's in good soil, right? And I'm, I'm no farmer. I have no green thumb. That doesn't, my, uh, my, my endeavors in that field usually don't turn out very well, but uh, but we know that, that good soil helps good things to grow, doesn't it? I mean, we'll, we'll buy different products because we're, we're, we're promised that they come from better soil than other products, right? I mean, we, we, we know that there's an importance of what goes into the ground in terms of what comes out. And so for us, as we consider what's going on in our own souls, it's important that we're extremely mindful of what kind of soil we'll, we are cultivating ourselves. Now, Jesus tells this, uh, this parable in the Gospel of Luke, and it's got multiple layers to it, but, uh, but hear this. Starting in verse 5, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. But other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now Jesus in this parable uh, and where it shows up in, in other parts of the gospels too, he offers, and it's one of the few places where he offers, hey, here's what I'm trying to say uh, through this parable. And, and so part of the layer on this parable is, Jesus is casting out seed. Those who are following after him are, are casting out seeds of the kingdom of God, right? They're, they're, they're uh, loving other people. They're sharing the good news. They're, they're putting that out there in the world. And part of what Jesus is wanting his followers to know is that this is, this is the work of God, and it's God's work, right? Now, you're called to it, and you're invited into it, but you don't get to determine the whole outcome. You don't get to determine everything that's going to happen. You, you don't know what kind of path the seed or ground the soil the seed is landing on. And so part of what Jesus is saying here is that this is, this is in part my job, right? 
It's, it's my job to, to save and to transform. It's your job to plant seeds. But the other layer to this is Jesus is saying to those around him, you get to choose what kind of soil you'll be, right? I mean, that's, that's true of us this morning. If, if we want to be transformed, if we want our souls to, to flourish and thrive and bear fruit of the kingdom of God, we get to choose what kind of soil we bear. We can, we can be a hardened, rocky path that's impossible to crack and get a seed into the ground. We could, we could be a, a ground that's so covered by thorns and other things that it's impossible for anything to, to grow in and through. We, or we could be good soil. We could open our lives to God's working and God's leading and God's transformation. And if we want to thrive and flourish we have to make ourselves good soil. We have to open up our lives to God's work and ongoing work in our lives. Jesus says in verse 15, the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving, produce a crop. As Jesus is saying this to me, it echoes Psalm 1, right? For those with a noble and good heart who hear, who, who delight in the law, retain it, and by preserving it, produce a a crop. This is the call of transformation for us. This is the call for us to make space for God, to bring healing and nourishment to our souls. If we're not bearing fruit, it could be because we haven't made ourselves good soil, because we haven't created a ground that can actually uh, nourish and allow things to thrive. The fruit tells the story. Now, as we consider what this looks like in our own souls, I I think we likely know that one of the most uh, damaging practices that we engage in in life is that we we live hurried lives. We run from from one thing to the next. We consume uh, media after media after media. There's so many different things speaking into our lives that uh, to actually stop long enough to, to ask the questions about where we're planted and what kind of fruit is coming from our life that seems like a heavy ask because where's the time to do that, right? We, 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 we hurry and we rush and we fill our lives with so much stuff uh, that, that we miss God almost entirely and, and we wonder why our souls don't feel fed and, 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 and as if they're, they're thriving. John Eldridge, he, he talks about it this way. He says, to make room for God to fill the vessel of our soul, we have to begin by moving out some of the unnecessary clutter that continually accumulates there like the junk drawer in your kitchen. I found that to be like a helpful illustration as we think about that. That as we're navigating life, we're we're, we're navigating all these experiences, and some of them are are things of our choosing, and some of them are things that happen to us, and we we navigate life when we're carrying all this stuff, and it's like if your junk drawer is anything like ours, like it's like you're always like pushing more junk into the junk drawer. It's like it's I don't even know where it all comes from, but you're nothing ever leaves, just more stuff keeps coming. You know? And it's possible for our souls to become like that. That we, we just cram more stuff in and more stuff in and more stuff in, and we're wondering, where's the capacity? Like, where, where is it that I can experience more of God? Where is it that where my life can become more like what God is inviting me into? I'm not, I'm not feeling it, right? I'm not feeling this closeness to Jesus. I'm, I'm not seeing the fruit of my life, and yet we're, we're just so full of stuff. And Jesus He invites us into a way of living where we can move through some of that. Uh, The message uh, version of Matthew 11, 28 through 30, it says this. Are you tired? 
Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to do it. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. And what Jesus is inviting us into here, and again, I keep coming back to this picture of this tree planted next to the stream that gives it all that it needs, is to live freely and lightly. God wants to give you all that you need to follow after him. God wants to to help you nourish your soul. And Christians throughout the ages have been doing that by engaging in practices. Practices like worship and Sabbath and solitude and fasting. Practicing gratitude, right? Serving. I think as we gather here this morning, we need to figure out what unforced rhythms of grace look like for us. What does it look like for you to cultivate space, soil in your life where God can speak to you and nourish you? And maybe you already have it. Be intentional about it. Recognize where it is, where God really fills up your soul. Because without it, if we don't uh, cultivate that good soil, we find ourselves not being a part of the work that God wants us to do. We find ourselves not creating the fruit that God wants us to create. And we suffer because of it. And not just us, but the world around, and the world around us suffers. We're invited into something incredible, to be a part of the work that God is doing to make all things new. But in order for us to, to, to really invest in it with the fullness of our gifts and our lives, we've got to take good care of our souls. So this morning, I offer you the invitation to live freely and rightly, free of Uh, from being burned out of religion. And I invite you to walk with God and take a real rest. Unclutter. Drop some of the junk that you're carrying. God won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. He'll come alongside you and walk with you along the way. The health of your soul matters. I wonder for you this week, how might you take that seriously? How might you evaluate where you're planting and and what sort of fruit is coming from your life? And what practices might be helpful for you this week to dig deeper into the, the, the good soil that God wants you to be? I want you to reflect on that. I want to pray, and then we're going to sing a final song together. Father, as we gather this morning, We gather recognizing that sometimes it feels like we're just walking into chaos constantly. That there's always something new going on, some new challenge, some new difficulty, some new piece of information. And at times, God, it feels like it's too much. We feel like our souls are drowning in the midst of it. This morning, God, I wonder if you would help us catch a vision for a life after you, a life that is light. God, you tell us that your burdens are easy and your yoke is light. God, this morning, we want to walk with you. God, we repent of the ways that we filled our lives 
with the junk that can so easily consume us. God, we repent that sometimes we, we plant our lives in, in whatever we think is gonna bring us happiness or us joy without concern of what you're inviting us into, God. God, today we commit to being good soil. We commit to opening up our lives so that you can work in us and through us. God, we want our lives, we want our church, we want the churches all over the city to bear good fruit, God. So help us to be a part of that. Help us to open our lives to you today, this week. God, help us to, to experience the renewing of our own souls. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray this morning. Amen.